0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby!
1: Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to talk about the 11th day of of Brown's training camp. And when you talk about the 11th day of training camp, you probably need to talk about the injury brigade that was out there today. Uh, you're talking – Anthony. well, the good thing is we'll start with Anthony Walker returned uh, for portions of practice, you know, getting individual period in some other things. There were some names we knew were going to be out still, Delpit dealing with the hamstring and Achilles. Ronnie Harrison's hamstring issue still bothering him. Anthony Schwartz still dealing with the hamstring. Malik McDowell, which was labeled as a ribs, oblique, something like that. Blake Hance rolled his ankle at Sunday's practice, so I figured he might be out. Alexander Hollins left practice out. Um, otherwise, both defensive ends were out. One one was out due to a general day off uh, with my with uh, Jadevian Clowney. Miles Garrett was out with a hamstring. Denzel Ward's out with soreness or labeled as potentially soreness tied to a hamstring. I think it relates to what I saw on the sidelines of practice, which was him with a sleeve down his right leg. Hopefully that ends up shaking itself out. Uh, David Njoku, there was some buzz about a shoulder issue for him. Missing practice today. Joe Batonio had a scheduled day off. Marvin Wilson left the field a little early, but we'll see if anything comes of that. Odell ramping it up. He's out to running. Should get back involved this week at some point. Other highlights... Um, you know, the tackles benefited pretty clearly the tackles benefited from not having to block Clowney and, and miles nice relieving day off in the sense from opponent skill for Jack Conklin and Jed Wills. And they had a much better practice. Uh, Jarvis had a nice practice from everything I gather from Fred Greetham on site, uh, from some other reports I've read Austin Hooper bounce back day, uh, a, a nice bounce back day and a very needed bounce back day for him after what everybody was privy to at the practice uh linebackers continue to be Phillips and Mac Wilson in the in the team periods. A little more jawing action happening today reports from a couple different people I trust on this. I think this team certainly is ready to you know, play somebody else, see somebody else other than themselves. They're getting tired of that. Um Malik Jackson was was at the front and center of all of that. Uh otherwise um Michael Dunn uh stepped in, which I think is it's pretty obvious Michael Dunn's the first guy in anywhere on the interior even though Chris Hubbard played guard pretty well last year when when Wyatt Teller was out I think it's pretty obvious that uh, Michael Dunn because I think he's just a very talented football player I think he could start for this team if he needed to so with Joe Batonio taking the day off it was Michael Dunn who uh, got those reps at left guard and uh, from everything I gather practice pretty well Porter Gustin Cameron Malvo started at the end which is pretty important to understand that those are your next two up Malvo seems to be out in front of Curtis Weaver. Take that for what it is. Curtis Weaver still appears very raw to me. When I've seen him in tape, re-watched him, uh, I think he's got a little ways to go. Doesn't mean you give up on him, but he's got a ways to go. So those are your next two. They definitely need, definitely need Tack McKinley back in some form or fashion if they can get him this year. Um, otherwise, before practice... Harrison Bryant with some interesting quotes about putting on weight in the offseason, bumping up calorie intake, getting up to 245, 250. I thought he played a little light last year. He referenced J.J. Watt was a reason he did that when he got exposed. I think he needed to play bigger because he needed to get physically stronger, and I hope he did that. It seems like he's done that a little bit. It's going to help him when he's in those blocking assignments off of play action or blocking assignments in zone concepts or even gap concepts or when they pull him, they motion him into the backfield a lot too, so it'll it'll definitely be something that could help him there. I'm excited about what Harrison Bryant can continue to develop. I think he's a, a guy you want on your team. He plays hard. He cares. I know he had the fumble issue at the end of last year, very up and down. I thought he was very up to start the year and then kind of came back down by the end. I'm just uh I'm just thinking he could be a really cost controlled, nice, effective tight end too for them, whoever they decide to keep as tight end, uh, their main tight end that they want to pay. We'll see who that ends up being. But I, I certainly like I like what Harrison Bryant brings to the table. And uh, excited about his his year. Demetric Felton, Dearness Johnson from our friend at Jake Trotter are still on the field together. That means Demetrick Felton's playing outside, playing wide receiver. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just if if I've said this to answer the question people have asked, if if Demetric Felton's making the roster as a primary wide receiver and a secondary running back, it's hard for me to envision that because there's six wide receivers I'd rather have. If he's making it as a running back who plays some wide receiver occasionally, I can get down with that. It's a little harder to me to let go of of a guy, you know, a six wide receiver, which in this case would be like a Kadero Hodge, um if he's if if you're keeping Felton just cuz he can play a little bit of wide receiver. I don't know. It's a topic we're going to touch on with our guest from our Twitch show here in just a minute for you guys. But we'll see what that sh- Dearness Johnson is clearly the third back from everything we've gathered and again this could be tied to to wide receiver health concerns uh for the most part, but I don't know. We'll see what shakes out there. I just think it's, it's interesting tracking where Felton is lining up because it means a a potential roster spot from somebody else. And that's obviously very important to track because it impacts has a domino effect on several positions. Stefanski after practice also mentioned opportunities for uh, coordinators to call plays, not just coordinators. uh, I shouldn't say coordinate coordinators do call plays, but uh, position coaches, people of importance on the coaching staff to call plays in the preseason to get a feel for it. The Browns are going to keep developing people uh, in their, in their organization. I think, I talked about this on Twitter. Cameron Justice wrote a fantastic article, which I, article on um, on 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 Bill Callahan and the offensive line and everything that comes with Bill Callahan, his teaching, his coaching, his his demeanor, what he gets out of his offensive line. It was so well done. I think you should find that again. It's on my timeline. I retweeted it and said that you should read it. I, I just. I just think Bill Callahan's fantastic. He doesn't get talked about enough. And, and from developing coaches, Scott Peters, his assistant coach is wildly important because Bill Callahan's not young by any stretch of the imagination. And again, I want to reiterate the fact of the thing that I said on Twitter, which is how important offensive line coaches are because they're, they're kind of just shoved to the side, just like the offensive line is in general. They're not in the limelight. They don't get talked about enough, which is why it's so rare you see a guy like Bill Callahan get the job, head coaching job opportunities that he did because most of the time people just overlook offensive line coaches. They don't think they can handle the whole team. They, they, there's a whole stigma there. Ask any offensive line player or coach. They'll tell you that's real. There's a stigma about those guys. But when you find a good one, a guy like Callahan who can who can almost help you curb salary cap issues because he can bring along players that are not at a certain level for another coach, but he raises their level, that's real. And, and you cannot – underestimate how important and a good a great offensive line coach is for young offensive coordinators or young or even not just young ones but older ones guys who and, and listen most of the time coordinators are skill position players quarterbacks running backs wide receivers sometimes occasions tight ends from their playing days they seem to translate for whatever reason could be a lack of opportunity for offensive line guys but Those, those guys take like skill position guys. You come up, you learn, you learn routes, you learn uh, all of these different run concepts, but the teaching of it and the finite details and the game planning of it. And you have to know as an offensive line coach, you have to know defensive technique. You have to know defensive personnel. You have to know how teams line up to certain formations. Offensive line coaches go crazy in game plan, getting everything set up so that you can run the football effectively. And again, most of the time, the offensive coordinators want a game plan pass game. That's a big part of what they do because they're quarterback, wide receiver, running back, they're skill position guys who become more comfortable calling certain pass plays, certain schemes, but not thinking about the offensive line plan, everything that goes into making that successful. So like your offensive line coach is constantly telling you what the defensive front is. What's the shade? Where's the three tech? What's the DN doing? They know all of that. They game plan all of that. They pass along the coach. Just pay attention to how often Stefanski is conversating with with Bill Callahan on the sideline. They're always talking, he's always getting insight from Bill about what what schemes Bill feels comfortable running. What are they what pressure are they giving us that our protection can handle or can't handle? Because oftentimes coordinators will hand over all of the run game responsibility to an extent and get huge input from the offensive coordinator and then deal with uh, how they protect the quarterback, adjustments at the line of scrimmage, what they do when a team overloads one side. They get all of that from the offensive line coach. So we don't talk about it enough, and we we definitely don't talk about Bill Callahan enough. And I think Scott Peters is probably the next in line to get an upgrade because guys in the NFL can't take lateral jobs. The Browns could block that. But if Scott Peters got offered a full-time offensive line coach, he could go get it. Can't block that. It's an upgrade in position. I think Peters is the succession plan if Bill Callahan were to, to move on or retire or whatever. Uh, but uh, Peters is going to get interest around the league. It's just going to happen. You can only spend so many years with Bill Callahan before someone's like, I need that guy to coach my offensive line. And Peters has a playing career too, so all of that mixed together. But I just can't suggest Cameron's piece enough because you can learn a bit more about Bill Callahan, what his important players say about him. And Callahan's going to be so important to how the Browns mitigate the offensive um, salary cap issues that they're going to run into as they keep playing a lot of skill guys that they have to pay, uh, and all of those things uh, start to add up. And Callahan is – He's fantastic, and and it cannot be said enough how important your O-line coach is for your coordinators uh, or whoever calls your plays because they give valuable pieces of game plan information and and really valuable instantaneous on-field adjustments on the fly. There's a reason the Browns got comfortable with running more gap schemes than zone schemes late in the year because they figured it out. They figured out what they're best at. That's Callahan. That's Peters up in the box relaying information to Callahan, who's then applying it to his guys, coaching them up on the field with a tablet on the sideline, going over adjustments so that the next drive they can get it right. So Bill Callahan, read about him, learn about him. He's a fascinating guy. Cameron's piece is great. Check it out. Otherwise, we had a great guest. I want to shift to that. Eric Metcalf, the Browns legend Eric Metcalf, joined us uh, on our OBR Twitch Live last night. If you listened to this already, you're good to go. You've already heard it. But if you didn't, and you just like your podcast form, I wanted to share this with you because it's absolute gold. There's no there's no uh, uh, alert interruptions or anything like that. It's just straight audio. Me, myself, Stephen Thomas, chatting with this Browns legend, Eric Metcalf, who opened up about everything uh, leading up to his playing days, his younger years, uh, his time at Texas, and his time with Cleveland, and his time after Cleveland, and why he loves Cleveland Browns fans so much. And, and uh, I'm excited to share this if you haven't heard it because it's a great interview. So let's get over to that uh, conversation with Eric right now
2: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You know, if we're going to introduce you the proper way, uh, Mr. Three Time, I should say it the right way. Six years with the Browns, obviously, we all know that three-time Pro Bowl or two-time All-Pro, one of your, I would hope, one of your favorite Browns, one of my favorite Browns, Eric Metcalf, formally, welcome into the show. Sorry about the confusion, man.
3: Right. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, don't even worry about it. You know? <laughs> we're, just, we're here to have fun. Mo- modern technology,
1: man. No, right. technology. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, this is, I should welcome in my two co-hosts tonight. Stephen Thomas will be with me for the long haul. Fred Greetham wanted to pop in. Fred obviously covered you in your early years in Cleveland, uh, the, uh, I think, First two years, first three years, Fred, when were you around when Eric was around?
4: Well, I was in Arizona coaching and I came back to uh, Cleveland to be the editor of Browns News Illustrated, the old BNI, the tabloid before the internet, his rookie year, right? When, uh, you know, they drafted him the first round and I was here from the get-go and all the excitement from the beginning. I don't know if he remembers that. We used to distribute that paper to all the players and. That was back in the day when it was fun, got to get to know the guys and talk to them one-on-one. Now you can, everything's kind of, you know, very formalized and you can't even, you know, get to, get to know the guys like you could back in those days. But it was quite a thrill covering number 21 for all those years. And, and, uh, I just wanted to step in and, and reacquaint and say hi and, and glad you could come on with us. I'm still hanging around. Been doing this a long time, you know. And so, <laughs> some of my fondest memories remembering watching you play.
3: Well, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate that. So yeah, it's so it's so much different. It's so different now that, you, like you said, you can't really get in touch with the players. You have to go through this person or that person just to to maybe get an interview. When back in the day, you just showed up in the locker room and. And, and and chatted with guys and and that's what made it fun because you got to really tell your story. They get, you got to know the guys who were interviewing you as well as you got to uh, know us as well.
4: Exactly. You know, I remember, you know, there was we had one little, you know, little little time when we had a disagreement. I I I wrote a story when they added Leroy Horde and I said that he might be um you know the use more up the middle between the tackles, and you more in the scat back, getting the ball to you out in space. And I remember the PR guy saying that you didn't want to talk to me because, and I said why, and he said because you said something bad about him. I said I didn't say anything bad, you know, and and uh, I always remember that you know that I thought the highest regard. I was just saying they need to use you more and use use you more appropriately you know, to get the most out of your talents. Maybe, so I always remember that. Maybe being,
3: a, maybe being a young guy, I thought you were trying to help them take the ball out of my hand. <laughs> 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 so that's why I was upset with young like, It's not with them. He's trying to get the ball out of my hand. So. <laughs>
4: so, well, I was just like, I couldn't believe somebody you, one of you read my stuff, you know, because I'm like, <laughs> no, nobody reads our stuff. We don't think they even know who we are. But that was kind of, a, I always remember that because I'm like, oh, well, I think we talked, and I said, look, you know, I'm th- I think you're a playmaker, and they need to use you the best they can and find areas to put you out in space and get on one-on-ones and, and just take advantage of that speed and, and so forth. And so that yeah, was always I always remembered on that, and we, we got along just fine after we chatted. And that's how it was. We You know, we were able to be friends and get to know guys and, and had guys used to come over to the house and all that. So, again... Brings back a lot of memories, good memories, and uh, well, with, again, with story, I just wanted yeah, to step in and hear that you.
3: Story right there. I'm sure I didn't want to go to your house. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, I mean that was. Most of the guys <laughs> come over to my house. We'd go hunting or something like Anthony Pleasant. Some of those guys would okay. come out and we'd go out in the woods and and right. chase rabbits or squirrels or something. But yeah, that was that was that was interesting.
1: Right. Well, let's trace back Eric if we can a little bit, man. We're gonna talk all about the Browns playing days and all of your you know record-breaking accomplishments which are which are so phenomenal to us and we all remember them so far. I, I do have to to lay the caveat I was too young, man, I was too young. my two friends here who are with me uh, have obviously got to live those glory days of yours, which i I wish I could have you know i I grew up Eric, in the time when Browns weren't very good and I was told stories about you, man and I was told stories about uh this this number 21 that was was the first jersey i ever had i didn't know any better man i was like I, 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 1999 came around i'm like i don't i don't know anything about this metcalf guy i got older i studied your work and your play and youtube has been hugely beneficial because it was just phenomenal and i wish i could have lived it so i want to i want to track i know steve has a bunch of great questions about his time in the dog pound when you when you were when you were rocking municipal stadium and i, I kind of want before we get there want to trace back to some of your early years you were you were born in Seattle we'll play your, your high school football Virginia am I right about that is that
3: that so yeah I was I was born in Seattle um I played my freshman year of football here in Seattle and then I moved to Virginia when my dad finished playing with the Redskins
2: okay so that's
3: when I was there and, and and I only moved uh for one reason really um well two reasons I should say uh one reason, the first reason was I, want, I always wanted to play football somewhere in the South. That was my, my plan uh, when I was young, that I want to go to college in the South. And so that's that's what I wanted to do. Um, second reason, as a freshman, I went to all-boy high school here, who's known for football. They won state championships and everything, but they wouldn't let uh, freshmen play varsity.
1: Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: And so I, t- I told the, uh, the head coach and all the staff, if you don't let me play varsity as a freshman, I promise I will not be here next year. <laughs> <laughs> because because in, in my mind, you know, and, and granted I was young, I was only 13 years old as, as a freshman in playing football. And I said, in, in my mind, I told it and I told those guys, you don't have 50 to 60 people on your team better than me. So you're telling me that I can't be on the team anywhere and if I can't be on your team, I'm not going to be here. And and what made it worse was that because of my age, I could have played little league football with my friends again, uh, won another championship and played 10 games. Whereas playing on the freshman football team, I only played five games against three different teams. And so I was out of there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would I would imagine you knew relatively like how, I mean, most of us have been around guys who were pretty good in high school or went to college, but you were special, special. And I would imagine there's like a moment in your childhood or you're maybe you hit middle school where you're like, I'm just different than every, did you have a moment like that where you're like, I'm just different than everybody else. I'm clearly athletically more gifted. Uh,
3: I think the, like the, the first day I started playing, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, really to, to be, I, I was, I was seven years old and, um, and they, and they took me out there. My mom, it was an eight year, eight, nine year old league. I was only seven. My mother told me to go out there and, and tell them I was eight. And, 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 and it, and it worked until they had the, they asked for birth certificates. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I was playing. I actually, got to, I actually got to play in a game and I, and I scored 10 touchdowns. Um, They, they called three back. And because it was basically run a sweep and I'm faster than everyone. Wow. And so at that point, I knew that that I had more talent and 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 more speed than most of those guys because because even in track, uh, they would always have me run the age group uh, up. And so I knew early.
1: Yeah, I would imagine you're just like this is this game's supposed to be hard, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of that going on. Yes. So you, I would imagine you got you moved to Virginia. You got recruited early, like I would imagine pretty early. And then was there anybody? I know you went to Texas. Everyone knows that was there anybody else that really was pulling at you you're like man I, I may be in a different universe I'd ended up going to this school instead of Texas was
3: there any of that well i my my five visits were Texas Notre Dame Georgia Nebraska and Miami all the blue bloods yeah I, I committed to Miami mm.
4: uh,
3: Miami didn't find out till uh signing day that I wasn't coming there my <laughs> mom my my mom and dad were not having it They you know 17 years old and I'm and I'm trying to go to Miami because I went because when I went on a recruiting trip by myself, I I committed within the first two hours. I'm like, this is the place for me. I'm here. I can imagine you see a few things that make you want to commit right away. I had a good time. This is this is my spot, but my parents weren't having it. And so like I said, I didn't um I didn't get to tell Miami, I didn't actually tell Miami till signing day that I wasn't coming because I was still trying to convince my parents that that was the place for me. Uh, They wanted me to go to Notre Dame because I had gone to uh, Texas is the first public school I went to. i had gone to Catholic school my entire life. Hmm. So they wanted me to go to Notre Dame, but I wasn't going to go there. And I told them I I won't go to Miami, but I'm not going to Notre Dame. So basically, I opened up all my recruiting again and and Texas came back and and I signed a, a week, like eight days later. And Texas was the best place for me, just because I was a football player, and, and it was the best place for track as well.
1: Sure, yeah. Talk about track a little bit. Like you're, you, I think if I read that right, you won an, a, a medal or you won an elli- what, what did you? You won some great stuff. Long jump. Did you win anything running wise, or was it was long jump? I, or, I was a long
3: jump. I, I was exactly. too lazy. I was too lazy to run, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so I, I won uh NCAA's twice. Wow. Um. I, 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 I like to tell people it was really three times, but, but it was officially twice. My, my freshman year, I won the NCAA long jump, um, and I came back my sophomore year. I was leading, put my clothes on, and two guys passed me on their last jump. So I ended up third. I couldn't do anything. I came back my junior year, and I, and I won the championship again. I didn't compete my senior year because my goal was to win four straight. And since I couldn't uh, complete that goal, I decided to just go ahead and get ready for the draft.
0: And you, you either tried out or could have tried out, went to the tryouts for the Olympics in 88. Do I remember that right?
3: Well, actually, uh, I went to the Olympic trials uh, that year. That was 1988, going into my freshman year. Um, prior, prior to uh, the Olympic trials, I, uh, I won the U.S. championships. And uh, so people are thinking that I'm going to make this team going into it um in my mind i'm thinking i do not want to make this team because that year the uh, olympics were in seoul and they were in september so that meant i was going to have to miss football and there was no way that i was i was going to miss <laughs> football to run track <laughs> I, don't right. care if it's the, I don't care if it's the olympics or not <laughs> and, and, and i was and and I was on the list to be a, a Heisman candidate. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I'd rather have the Heisman than a, a a gold medal any day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So we shift to your Texas career, which was just phenomenal. And and I, I'm what I'm most curious about, Eric, is we're going to dive into this with your Browns career, and then ultimately what you transitioned to and did in Atlanta. It's it's the The receiving aspect of the game did did you feel like I know you went for a, you had a season over five hundred your sophomore year at Texas, um, but did you feel like these guys just don't know how to use me as a receiver? Like I'm I'm clearly gifted at this. I can get mismatches with linebackers out of the backfield. They just don't know how to. Use. I know you ran for you had a couple seasons. I think one you were uh, up over a thousand eleven hundred and some change, and another one close to it, right on the borderline of a thousand rushing. You could run. There's no there's no doubt, but that time period of football to me is fascinating because you're starting to see some of these guys, these special talents can be used out of the backfield and you, you paved the way. So were you at times frustrated? Like, yo man, give me a screen, give me a wheel, give me something. I need the ball in my hands in the passing game.
3: Uh, I was more frustrated about the way I was being used in, in the NFL. Okay, college. I okay. mean, going to going to Texas and, and playing football, I knew this is how they play football. You know, that's back in the day. they, they line up and play smash mouth football in, in the eye formation. You run between tackles and all that. So I knew that, and I didn't really mind because that's what I had done my entire life. And and it and it and it works if they block it right. It, <laughs> that's the key. If they block it right, it, it works. And so you know, I, I so as long as I got the ball, that's that's all I cared about. I mean, I end up uh, catching a lot of passes for a running back at Texas. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think I still have the record for most receptions by a running back at Texas because because at Texas today or even in the, in the past they've never really thrown the ball to the to the running back and so you know I I, I felt good about how I was used I just I just wish our uh, our teams would have been better.
1: Yeah, how did how did that go for you? Did you play with any guys that had long careers on the league at Texas and and I, I think I've heard you reference it a couple of times. You didn't win a ton. What was what was kind of the stopping point? You think why you guys weren't winning as much as you thought you should have?
3: See, you trying to get me in trouble with my team? <laughs> <laughs> Never. I mean, we 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 just weren't that good, you yeah. know. Uh, I mean, I don't think I don't think we were uh, getting all the recruits, and and you know, when, when people start ranking people with stars, stars don't mean anything when you get in between the white lines, right? You have to be able to play football, and at that time, uh, when we were the Southwest Conference, A and M was getting all the players, mm-hmm. and so. We I never beat those guys in, in, in four years. And so we weren't we weren't as good as those teams, just to be simple and plain. And so that was that was that was the, the point. And so and even when I got there as a as a freshman at, at 17 years old, I, I talked to my, my college roommate and we were we had practiced a few times and I and I just said to him, I said, you know, either I'm real good or Texas football isn't what I thought it was. <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: I
3: could <laughs> and, see that, man. And and, and 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 he just looked at me. Without a smile on his face, and said, Why can't it be both? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I wanted curious. to ask, yeah, uh, go ahead. Go.
0: I wanted Super. to ask you about the draft, uh, you, you, the draft process, and your draft year because I mentioned this before you came on uh, the air. We all, everyone on this call thinks there should be six, but there's currently five Hall of Famers from your draft class. It's, it was just an insane draft class. Uh, so I wanted to ask you two things. Uh, one, the difference between the draft process that you went through and the industry that it has become this year uh, in these days. And two, I know I heard a story once that Lombardi contacted you like two or three years, like when you were a freshman or a sophomore. How early in the process did you know that you were going to? Maybe you didn't know definitely you were coming to them, but they were super, super interested, and they were you were high on their list.
3: You know, I, I never. Uh, two days before the draft. So, with uh, your referencing to Mike coming, to, uh, talking to me about drafting me, when he was saying he was going to draft me, when it was my time, he was actually in, in Frisco. He was okay. with the 49ers at that time. He said, when, she, "When your time comes, I'm going to draft you." And I was like, "Okay, sure." You know, I was—I just finished my—I <laughs> I just finished my freshman year, and they were at—he uh, was at pro day, and I wasn't doing anything because I was on the track team as I was just standing out there watching and everything. So, you know, a couple days before, before the draft uh, in, in 89, I, I know I'm going in the, in the first round. I don't know right. where I'm going. I, I I wanted to go to the Rams. For, for some reason, I thought I should be in, in the LA lights. Um, I, I knew that the Jets liked me and were thinking about it. My agent was talking about they're, they're probably, if they have a chance, they'll probably draft you. And like I said, Mike came in, uh, to Austin, like two days before the draft, and he comes up in the intermural gym where I had just finished playing basketball, and he asked me uh, if I would do some some drills and some tests, and and I I said no, and he was like I flew all the way down here. We're talking about drafting you. Will you will you do this? Well, I said no, I will not, and he's like why? I said because one I just finished playing basketball, two, we're two days before the draft. I'm five ten, 182 pounds. If I don't do this as fast as you think I should, then where does that leave me? Right. So we have to just go with what you seen on film and what you think I am. And if you draft me, draft me. And and so I I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, they're not going to draft me. And then I was looking at where they were picking at the time. But on draft day, when I'm sitting with my mother watching the draft, um, I, I flew to Seattle for that. The we're um, watching and they said the Denver Broncos just traded this pick to the Cleveland Browns. I told, I looked at my mom and said, I'm about to get drafted. And she said, no way. I said, yes, I'm about to get drafted. And and she did because the Jets had the 14th pick. And so that's, I think that's why they did it.
0: That's a great story. And they, uh, that trade, I can't remember exactly, but it was, it was a lot. It was like a one, a two, a four. And, a, and back then there was like 10 or 12 rounds. So there was a late round pick too. Did that, did, that, did, did you feel any added pressure because they gave up so
3: much to come up and get you? You know, I'm going to be 100% honest about this. Until they put that draft on TV last year uh, on ESPN during COVID, I never really paid attention to how many hits <laughs> they gave up. Because I didn't really care at that point, right? I am just happy to be drafted because the, the, the dream – has been fulfilled, right? And so when I watched the draft well, with, with my family, kids, and everything, because they had never seen it before, I'm sitting there listening, I'm like, man, they gave up a lot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to do something and that you know, they it while I was there, because I could have been considered one of the the biggest busts of the draft. <laughs> uh,
0: well, you certainly <laughs> didn't end up being that. I mean, in case anybody out there doesn't know still to this day top 20 in the history of the nfl in all-purpose yards you're, you're ahead of guys like eric dickerson and 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 jim brown and uh, so many names you've got uh, over seventeen all all-purpose yards which leads us into a question you've probably been asked a ton and everybody talks about it you know in social media now guys from a different era who would thrive with the relaxed rules and the way the game is played these days and all that kind of things obviously You you don't lack confidence. Uh, I don't think I need to ask whether you think you could crush it. Um, But I I, I did want to ask, are there guys in the league that play similar to you in your eyes that you think, yeah, I probably have a career sort of like this guy or that guy or or something like that?
3: There are a a few guys. I mean, you know, I think of Alvin Kamara. I think of uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Dalvin Cook. It's, It's all the guys who do everything and and i mean and and, and some of those guys they're look they're bigger than me and they probably run would run more in between the tackles than i would but the way the games played today i i think i'd be like those guys because now they don't have to come off the field you know back back in the day as, as fred was talking about leroy when he didn't like me um <laughs> <They> were, <laughs> they, you know, that back in the day, they would play a, a bigger guy for for two downs, and then on third down, they put someone in like me. But because right. of the way the game is played now, where it's so spread out, the Alvin Kamara, the Christian McCaffrey, those guys can stay in for three downs because you never know what's going to happen. The field is spread out, and they they're filled with mismatches. And I could have been one of those guys.
0: Right. And also, you know, as people like to say too, back then, the defense could take your freaking head off and nobody looked twice. Now, if they breathe on you wrong, it's a penalty so that you probably would have enjoyed
3: that part of it as well. Right. I'd have loved that even more because I could already make a missile, and now I know they can't really hit me. That would have been even more. <laughs> now they're in a, a, a difficult position. <laughs> it's a different feeling
1: on that swing pass where you were where you were right. real worried about cover two. Uh nowadays they can't even they can't even touch it. Fred Fred Greetham has to bow out. Uh Fred, thanks for joining us. And, and, and nice to see you connect with Eric again, man.
4: Yeah, it's good to have you on. Thank you for all the good memories and Thanks again for having us and joining us tonight.
3: Hey, thanks for being here. And, and I'm glad you like me now.
4: Oh, I never <laughs> didn't like you. <laughs>
3: All right, Fred. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Same. Fred. We are oh. never
0: going to let Fred forget no, that. No, no, not, a chance. We're, not, a, not we're a chance. We're never going to let Fred forget <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> I, I want to ask you, Eric, when you came to Cleveland, so you come to Cleveland 89, Bud Carson, uh, I, think, I think young Mark Tressman, right, at your O.C.? Yes. Uh, so did you sit did they sit okay you come to Cleveland, you show up to Berea, you're sitting down, or where are you are you like, hey man, here's how I because you mentioned you didn't like how you were utilized in the league when you got to the league. Did did they have conversations about we want to get you the, the football through the air more or, or kind of how did that start out for you?
3: No one really said anything when I wow. got there. You know, it was just it was just a matter of it was about this is how we play football. You're running back, this is what we do. I mean, I think I think once I I got there because I held out my my rookie year. Right, mm. like everyone did back in in the day, and I only played uh, one preseason game. And so I don't think I even started a game until maybe fourth or fifth game of the year. And and but it was it was more like this is how we play football. You know, we, we had K Mac and and prior to that year, E B, so they mm-hmm. could they could do more things in between tackles. And and when I got there, it was like. Uh, key jones and and tim manoa and those guys and so they ran a certain way but when i got there they started splitting me out more because they they knew i could be more like a receiver uh as well And so i i I caught a lot of balls i ran the ball a a lot when i first got there uh more than i did towards the, the latter part of my my browns career but i ran i ran it well pretty good I think uh I think my rookie year I might have had like 600 rushing yards after not starting the first few games Mm -hmm. and and, and like maybe 600 receiving or close to 600 like something like that and so I I think I was used like I wanted to be used because I wanted I've I've always felt that I would be a guy who could be a thousand thousand guy I just didn't get the ball as much as I wanted in those positions
1: so the '90 season's tough they they end up making wholesale changes. They bring in this coach who people might know him, they might not know him. Uh, you got the young version of Bill Belichick. So curious sort of what that was like for you. Like was he the same sort of dude you see on TV and get the media love today or was he more stern, less stern? I'm just kind of curious what before everybody knew who Bill Belichick was, how he was to you guys in his first job.
3: I think – Well, no, I think I know now just from what I've heard from people that he's he's a little he's nicer to the players now than he was. And I I understand he came from uh, being under uh, Coach Parcel where they had won a couple of Super Bowls and and they ran a tight ship. And we all saw that when they came to training camp and practice against us, how they practice, how they were about business, business, business. So he came bringing that and we we weren't used to that, especially when. You had uh, the guys who were a little older than me who had been going to AFC championship games every single year. So they were used to doing it a certain way. So we had a little tug of war at first about how how things were going to be done. Uh, But you could always tell that he was a brilliant mind and he knew football. It was just a matter of him getting his players uh, that he wanted and getting it and getting the situation that he wanted before he could win. it never happened that way in, in Cleveland because he was getting rid of us. At the same time, so guys like us, he, he he liked us, but he he didn't think we fit in his, in his program, and so so it didn't work. So there were a lot of guys that he got rid of. I mean, and then he goes to New England, and he and he used their running back just like he should have used me in Cleveland, right? <laughs> <laughs> and wins lots of games. But look, but like I said, we knew he was going to be a good coach because he was he paid so much attention to detail and everything, and and, and did a good job at it. I
1: don't think Eric. I don't think people understand how gifted you were as a returner. I, I just, I just the statistics on it during a time when it was more challenging to return. The same way as it was more challenging, you know, uh, back then to catch the football out of the back, do things like that. You know, it was more challenging to return kicks because the rules were less restrictive. You know, you you could you could get away with more things back then to get to the to the return man, and and peel him off before anything you know they've restructured so many of these rules today and I'm not trying to do the this modern game sucks thing but I think it was so much harder and I think there's a level of respect there that needs to be given to what you're able to do so I'm curious like as you go to catch a kick or a punt because you you're just one of the most electric punt returners the league has ever seen what's your thought process as you're getting ready to catch the rock is it all reactionary or are you like oh man I I," based on maybe I saw something on tape they really struggle covering left lane here whatever or was it just give me the rock and I'll make it happen
3: well, I'll start out by saying when I, when I first got in the NFL, although I had done it my entire life, I did not want to return punts. Okay, I, and I didn't have to the first couple of years because we had we had Joe uh, McNeil, we had Ice Cube. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't return. I only returned kicks, and so uh, my first three years in in the NFL, I only returned three punts, and so I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to do it, and and then Bill came, and and he was like. Uh, you want the ball in your hands more. This is another opportunity. So you, you you can return punts, you can return kicks, you can catch the ball, and you can run the ball. And 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 then they slowly but surely took me off a kickoff return, so I got a little less. But I think I think last I think just being able to return kicks and everything and it's just just another opportunity to to get the ball. And I think when you have especially punt punt returns, when you have guys in front of you are really working to to block for you because they know they have somebody back there uh just who can score it makes it easier because you have one team that doesn't really want to return doesn't really want to cover the punt but you have one team that's really working hard to score so it makes it easier so i just thought you know we if they if they punted the ball over 40 yards and gave me some time don't worry about one one guy i'll I'll make at least one (laughs) or two guys miss you gotta get the other ones and we can make it happen
1: some special moments, man. Steve, Steve, yeah, you were there for a special moment there, right, man?
0: Yeah, I was. But before we get to that, I just wanted to uh, say, uh, even though uh, you didn't want to, you you only returned kicks your first few years. Boy, you had some memorable ones for us as fans. We got to talk about the Buffalo playoff game, um, one of the greatest playoff games in NFL history, I think, because it happened in the division round. It sort of gets lost in those kind of conversations right. about right. the greatest games. But, man, as a fan, it was just – I mean, it was – at the end of it, we just fell down. I was exhausted. I had nothing left. I can't imagine what it was like for you guys. Um, You had the 90-yard kickoff return for a touchdown in that game that turned the tide. And I did not know this until recently. And tell me if this is wrong. You played that entire playoff game with a broken foot. Is that right?
3: Yes. Insane. So so when we uh, played the Oilers to win the division – uh, a couple of nights before Christmas that year, I, I fractured. So I only played like half that game. People probably don't even re- remember that because all you all we remember at the end is Clay flipping the ball and right. and, and, the, and the K and the K Mac drive. But but I scored before that, and I played into the second quarter, and I was running on the field, and I just felt something, and it just didn't feel right. And I walked in, they, uh, they uh, took an X ray. And they said it was fractured, and so I I was in plain clothes for the rest of the game. Um, Luckily, we had a a week off. We had the bye week, and so then we played. We played Buffalo, and so yeah, I, I didn't really practice that much. I had I had the biggest shoe in the world on my left foot because I had orthotics and tape and everything else, just 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 trying to play. And and so yeah, it was. But you know. I don't really worry about that because if I'm out there, I, I can play. And my, my dad has always told me the thing about being injured when you go out on the field, if if you have something that you feel like slows you down, it, it might come a little easier because everything slows down for you. you know, you're know, you not trying to just outrun guys. You get to see everything a little a little clearer. And so it, it worked out. We we're had we're a good game. We won that game and moved on.
0: Yeah. Um, it was like I said, it was just exhausting and doing it with a broken foot on that field. It makes it even more impressive because this is the other thing I wanted to ask you about just uh, comparing the old stadium to the new stadium. Now everybody knows the old place had more character and it was louder and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as a facility, I can only speak from the fan side. I mean, the men's rooms in the dog pound were legendary, just, just awful. Um, and, but We've all heard the stories about the painted green dirt at Municipal Stadium. It's become the thing of legend among fans. From your perspective, especially as a guy who relied on speed and the, the unbelievable jump cuts that you used to make, how, how bad was it, really, the, the painted green dirt? Oh, it was bad.
3: It was, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, you know, we all we like a fast track. You know, I played college football on AstroTurf. And so so for me, it, it, it was really bad. But but then again, the defense, they have to play on the same field. And so if I know where I'm going, it, it makes it a little easier. And so I, I used to uh, – I always practiced in um, in soccer cleats because they don't have the stud on the front. Mm-hmm. And so right. my dad used to always tell me, when it's wet outside, muddy, make sure you keep your feet under. You put them out in front of you or behind you, you're going to slip. And so – with that stud missing in practice I would have to always have my feet under so I got to practice that without people knowing that I was practicing that so even though the the, the track was 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 terrible it, it still worked out
1: that's such a cool tidbit man <laughs> like no one thinks of that no one knows that very few people know that you lose a stud on the front of the cleat with soccer that's that's unique man steve did you have a, 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 anything about the punt return with pittsburgh were you in the house for that I was turns, there. Uh, plural. My yeah, bad. the <laughs> night of
0: the, the night of the two punt returns. I was there. I remember. I don't know half of it. You know. I, I. I don't know if you remember. I. I tapped you on your helmet in the dog pound after the second one. I was the drunk guy in the orange hat. I don't know if you remember that or
3: not. So I um, hope you weren't the one who spilled the beer on me. No, no, it awesome, wasn't me. I,
0: I didn't spill beer, Eric. No, I those were nine bucks at the stadium, man. I wasn't spilling that. Right. <laughs> but um, obviously, you've probably been asked this a million times. Did you have like a special feeling going into that night? Did you feel like you were in a zone? Or was it just one of those nights where, for whatever reason, not only once but twice, lightning struck?
3: I, I didn't have a special feeling just because I didn't think that I was going to be able to play. I, I got injured uh I sprained my knee the, the week before someone fell on my knee the week before in Cincinnati oh, and so so I didn't I didn't practice all week well I practiced a little bit Friday because Bill had the rule if you don't practice on Friday you can't play in the game so I ran a few plays and everything went through the motions went walked through obviously Saturday and everything we come to the game and they asking me how I feel and I said I'm good I'm, I'll be good. I'll be fine. They they wrapped up my knee, and we go out there and, and start playing, and and I felt fine. Um, we returned the first one, and and I didn't. My knee didn't bother me at all. And and, and von Moore comes to me right after and says, "We're gonna get another one." And you know, I'm I'm, I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll get another one. And then I mean, and now you were there, so you understand. It was it was for the division lead. Right. And that it was a it was a it was a great game, regardless of who won that game. Fortunately, we won that game, and 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 uh, it gave us another opportunity. And and like I said, we had guys who were working hard to get a touchdown because they know they have somebody back there who could return it to the house, and so it, it made it that much more special. And uh, I, I think there's one person that was mad, and he doesn't like to tell the story, but I, I'll tell it anyway. And that that was Bernie Kozar. <laughs> and, and and he was mad because uh if you remember uh vinnie got hurt that game and 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 he right. hurt his shoulder so he had separated his shoulder so he wasn't going to be able to play so bernie was mad because he had been benched, and he wanted to come in and win the game himself right. <laughs> but, but I, I, we were able to steal that moment from him
0: <laughs> now the second one uh came into the dog pound end of the stadium. And as I've heard you say, and I've said a million times, that was the the dog pound back then okay. in those days. It was quite unruly, if we're gonna be very friendly about it. When you scored in that end of the end zone, I'm sure you remember, there was always that mad rush of people down to, to grab you guys and smack you on the head and all that kind of stuff. Not that you were afraid of us like individually, but as a group, did you ever think, those
3: people are crazy. I don't wanna score at that end of the stadium. <laughs> No, I always wanted to go at that end because I wanted to run up the hill and run up to the fans. You know, that, that, that's what made it fun. That's what the dog family is all about. I mean, cool. I don't have to worry about the terrible bathrooms. That, that's for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's for you to worry about. I, the, worst, the worst thing I had to worry about was a beer getting spilled on me. And so, <laughs> and so I like going in that end and scoring and being able to celebrate with the fans for a hot second.
0: That's great. Yeah. It's definitely different now. Uh, hopefully, you know, if people, they've said this a lot, you know, the old place is better than the new the fans aren't as loud. Well, you know, in the fans defense, there hasn't been a whole lot to cheer about the last 20 years. Maybe this year it'll ramp up, but it sort of leads me into my last question and then I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Jake. Um, one other thing is different now than when you played is the, and it was in the news again today is this whole taunting penalty and all that kind of stuff. I, I got to ask, how would guys like hanford dixon and frank minnefield who were big woofers back then how would they have handled this new taunting uh rule? would they have made it through like even to halftime of week
3: one or i don't know if anybody would have I, mean, I, <laughs> I mean when, you're, when you're out there and it doesn't really matter i mean maybe quarterbacks would have made it through they don't really know right. <laughs> except for rivers but <laughs> but when you but when you're playing and you're into it and, and guys are always talking trash guys want to guys want to knock your head off guys want to make you miss and fall on the ground so you're always that's just part of football that's that's what you as a football player, you've done that your entire life. It's been like that your entire life. And so it would be hard for, for old school guys to make it through a game if you can't say anything. And that's because that's what makes it fun. That's that's what competition is all about. We're we're playing. We're out here to beat them. We're, we're not out here to be friends. And so, right. I mean, you can get an edge by, by talking and, and taunting, and, and you got to get that edge
1: well that feels like a rule the league's gonna have to revisit in a year or two it's just impossible to play football without emotion it's just impossible you can't do it man you can't do it so I hope they revisit it we'll see if they do they've been okay on some of these things so I hope they get it right I want to cover too I, I know Browns fans have a really hard time grasping this but you did play after Cleveland and you played phenomenally after Cleveland you go to Atlanta and you cross the thousand yard receiving mark so you go to Atlanta they tell you, hey, man, we're just going to put you in the slot. We're going to let you get creative, and we're going to throw you as a wide receiver because that's – I mean, wide receiver is the way the rest of your, ra- your your career went. So I was curious what they said to you when you arrived there.
3: Well, well, yeah, basically exactly what you said. June Jones said we're going we're to put you in the slot, also going to uh, let you play in, in the backfield from time to time, and, and of course, you're going to return uh, kicks and punts. And so that, that was how I w- was going to be uh, – that I wanted to be used. I um, – when I got there, I didn't think it was gonna work out because I had never played receiver like that, like every down. And so I thought it was gonna be different for me because I you know, as a as a running back in, in Cleveland, when I i split out, sometimes I'd get linebackers, sometimes I'd get uh cornerbacks, and sometimes I'd get safety. So it was it was it was different guys. So, you know, it all depends on, on the coverage and what they were running that where I, I might have the advantage. And so I didn't know how it was gonna work and even even in training camp in Atlanta, uh, just practicing against DBs all the time, I, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be terrible for me." And, and and then and even through preseason, I, I was like, "Oh, this is I don't think this is going to work." But they, from game one, it worked, and it, it just we went out there, and, and Jeff George would throw me the ball, and I'd get like sometimes 15 uh, targets in a game, and so uh, I didn't I didn't mind that at all. And, and, and when we talk about me playing receiver in, in up places, I think it was a lot different because when I went to other places, they, they put me in receiver, but now they're playing me at wide out, yeah. like a, a true receiver, which is right. something that I had never done. So you can't expect me to be out there uh, like, like the number one receiver because I had never been that guy, even though I was uh, considered number one in, in Atlanta.
1: It seems like the Browns are doing that a little bit with, uh, I don't know if you've – you're a West Coast guy, so I, I was curious to kind of piggyback on that point is this Demetric Felton. I mean, they do use Kareem Hunt in a bunch of different ways, you know, that are a little more traditional running back wide receiver concepts, putting them on Texas routes out of the backfield or putting them on a linebacker on a wheel or whatever. Um, but it seems like Felton's got a little bit of that full-on wide receiver to his game. Did you ever catch any of
3: his stuff out on the West Coast? Yeah, I did. I mean, he went to UCLA, but uh... – he, play, he played running back and receiver, yeah. and, and, he can, and he can return punts and kicks. So he's one of those guys who's, you know, kind of built like me and can do do a lot of things. So I'm looking forward to seeing him this season. I think he, he, he's a wild card on this team because he can do so many things, and and you never know what what, what he's doing when he steps on the field. And so I, I I like that because uh, Stefanski can use him as a running back and use him as a receiver and, and create mismatches. And a lot of these kids are coming up in high school. You know this. Your son went through high school. They're coming through high school
1: playing both these positions, man. Like, they're so flexible. You'll get in the five wide systems. You'll get all these crazy things that I'm curious if you think – I think your answer is yes because I, I can I, – you know, the confidence is real. But do you think it would have immensely changed your NFL course if you would have been in high school playing both? You go to Texas. You play both at Texas. You go into the league and, and, and play both. Like, do you think – you would have been a thousand thousand guy in the modern league. Like, like how crazy good do you think the statistics could have been for you? If you would have gotten into the game, you know, say five years ago, you were coming into the league.
3: Well, well, well coming, coming to the league now, obviously, if I did that, it would have, I would have worked at it. You know, they, these days they have so many camps and seven on seven where yeah. guys are, are learning new things. But I, at, at, the, at that time when I was in, in high school and, and younger, I don't think it would have really mattered because, that's not how football was played. You know, I mean, so I was either going to be a receiver or a running back. And I and I wanted the ball and I wanted it right now. So, I wanted to be a, a running back because, you know, especially back when you're playing 3 yards in a cloud of dust football, if right. you're a receiver and you're throwing it 7 times a game, how fun that you're a blocker. You're not a receiver. You're, you're a blocker, and so I I, I never wanted to be a, a blocker. I wanted to get I wanted to be the guy with the ball and scoring the touchdown. So I don't think I would have worked at it. Then, uh, fast forward, if I were playing now, yes, I would obviously uh, went out there and and played a lot of receiver and did some things to work on that as as well as the running back position. Well, you got a taste of both. Were you when you got to
1: Atlanta and your career after Atlanta? And correct me if I'm wrong. You were a big part of the trade that ended up. San Diego moving up to get Ryan Leaf. Am I right about
3: that? If I remember that right, to move up one pick, they traded. Yeah. <laughs> they traded me to to, to the Cardinals to, to switch picks and 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 get Ryan Leaf. That's what I thought. How that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't work
0: well, man. Oh man, no, it did not. I, I know
3: um, when I got traded, I just gone to the Pro Bowl. <laughs>
1: yeah, so
3: yeah. <laughs> that's
1: some karma for them back then. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm just curious, did you, when you were playing so you got in the league, you got more comfortable, you ended up switching receiver, did you dread it, or did you, like, I guess, what did you feel most comfortable doing on the field, running the football from the backfield or catching it when you got either in the slot or eventually your career, like you're saying, they put you at X or Z or whatever, was that where you ended up feeling like, this is home for me, or was home running the football from the backfield?
3: Home was always running the football. Okay. I I say that's home because if I have to pick one, that's where I'm going first. But – I, I I feel like I'm one of those guys, like Christian McCaffrey's, Alvin Kamara's today. That even though home is running back for them, they're still able to split out. They're still able to catch the ball and, and, and do a lot of different things, which which gives them advantage because it it, gives, it creates space. And so I think for me, um, being being a smaller guy, I think what should have been most important was putting me in space. You know. And, and getting me on, on guys where I can where I can make miss where I I can make guys uh, I, uh, run around guys. I think what we were doing in, in Cleveland. Uh, I'm a running back, and like I said, once again, we're lining up in affirmation. formation. We're running a lot of plays in between tackles, and, and that's not my game. And so, and that's why everyone in Cleveland's always hollering Metcalf up the middle, right? Right. <laughs> because, because that's all they that's all they saw. But when you when you really think about it. There's only so many plays you can you can run, yeah. right? You're going to run sweeps. You're going to run between the tackles. And and then the, the, the once again, the key is it all works if it's blocked right. A sweep right. doesn't work if it's not blocked right, okay. regardless of who you have back there or how fast that guy is. If it's not blocked right, it doesn't work. So if we have – if everything is blocked right, it, 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 it I think it doesn't really matter. I, I could have played uh, running back. Especially today full time
1: we're asked this question covering the browns a million times i try to study film and break down film and the question always is if you could bring any brown from history back who would you bring and the easy answer is jim brown sometimes i would bring you to the modern game man because i just think the way it's played today and the space that is created all the time i just imagine you running jet sweeps and various different misdirection play action concepts you'd have been one of the best period playing today so it's it's fun hearing you talk about those things, man, because it's fact. It's just a fact the way you played and the way the modern game meshes, it would have just been an absolutely deadly combo. We have a good user question or sorry, listener question about uh kind of a deep question to start. If you have any regrets about your pro career and any um any any of your I guess which would be your singular favorite memory
3: as as your as a member of the Cleveland Browns. Well, I think I have I have two regrets, I think. Uh one being I didn't get the ball like i thought i should yeah or get put in position to make plays like I, I i thought i could be my entire career and the other one is that i didn't get to be a brown my entire career that's, that's, that's all regret too that's i mean, all regret. I mean, I mean and, and honestly i still wouldn't have been right if i sure. if i didn't get traded because i would have been a raven yeah. but but yeah. just thinking about just thinking about looking back on it i just wish that i could have played my entire career in cleveland after what i experienced as a player when i was there and 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 then my my favorite memory is it, because it's everyone else's favorite memory is the two-point return against yeah. uh, against the steelers i think it's, it's so rare, rare. I, yeah. I didn't want that to be my favorite memory but it's <laughs> it's everyone else's and so it's like I, I almost feel like I, it has to be mine. We,
1: uh, I'll ask you. I guess it's kind of a tough question. You get, you get the call that you're traded. You know, at the time, the time where you like, okay, maybe every team in the league is like this Cleveland fan base, they're passionate, crazy. Or was it this is a place I want to finish my career, and the, I'm devastated. I'm cu- kind of curious because in the moment, you, you you maybe get swept up because you've had a lot of time to reflect on it, but like. You know, is it was it a heart-sinking moment when you left Cleveland for, for good there?
3: You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't because when I got traded, I knew I was being traded. I oh, had okay. asked to be traded. Okay. It, where I got traded, it wasn't where I thought I was going. Mm-hmm. So uh prior the day before I got traded to the Falcons, um the Browns had given me permission to start negotiating a contract with the 49ers. Hmm. And that's when, oh. I was, and I was excited because that's what I thought I was going to do my thousand thousand, like Roger <laughs> right. David, yeah. Just right. so I was ecstatic about that. I was looking forward to that, and then I get traded to Atlanta, and I was like, "What just happened?" Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and so, and so that that's that's when it started sinking. I wish I was still in Cleveland, especially when we roll out to the first game and we pull up on the bus and uh, get off the get Off the bus to pull up to the hotel and there's no fans out there. And I'm I wasn't used to that. I'm like, we're the fans? I'm so used to pulling <laughs> up for a game the, the day before and, and Browns fans being standing out there. Go to Atlanta, you can just walk in like you don't have a care in the world. <laughs> I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah the, man. Thinking back, being somebody old enough to remember that era of 49ers football, man, that would have been you would have crushed it out there, man. That had to be you had to be so fired up about that just because, you know, I mean, the offense that they ran meshed perfectly with your skill set, especially, I mean, everybody talks about your jump cut. And I I just wanted to quickly ask you about that. Um, Is that something that you think players can be taught or is that one of those athletic things that it's just instinctive and you either got it or you don't?
3: I think it's instinctive. I mean, when, when I actually did it, against the, the bingos uh, i i didn't even realize that i did it i'm I, I, I ran off the field and everybody was like great move great move and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> To me i felt like i caught the ball and ran straight in the end zone i never <laughs> i never felt like i i, I made anyone miss or i cut or anything and then i saw it up on the on the big screen and then i was like oh okay and that, was, that was all right. But then and I'm sitting there talking to Reggie Langhorn, and I said, You know, you know what's messed up though? That guy knocked my sock down, so he touched me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always seeking perfection, man. That is a listen, that's a jaw-dropping moment as you rewatch some of the fantastic stuff you did, man. That play was a place unbelievable among that punt return and many other, many other long, long touchdowns that you were able to score. So um I want to I want to ask you about the current Browns. I, I would imagine you still follow really closely. Do you still I every do. Sunday? I do. That's great, man. That's yeah. awesome. Who, who do you, Who's your guy? You love You love Nick Chubb. You, I mean, like as a running back guy, or who's uh who's who's your guys? You key in on what do you love about
3: this group? I, I love I love Nick Chubb. I do. We do too. I, I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to OBJ being healthy. I'm mm. looking forward to the whole you know everybody being back this year. But I love Nick Chubb. I I feel like. Uh, the team goes how he goes and and, and that's what kareem also just the, the running game so i I, yeah. I love the running backs because the team we're, we're run first team and and do everything else off play action and everything else and so right I I, I I like that we have uh two running backs two starting running backs one just doesn't get to go out there first but when kareem comes in there he's able to to do the same things and 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 even a little more because he can split out and, and catch the ball and, and, and do a lot of things that Nick can't do, but, but Nick is, is the driving force. And so that's why he's got to be the guy.
1: It's fun. It's fun. When's the last time you got up there to watch a game? Have you been to Cleveland in a
3: while? Well, I do um, pre-games and post game show on channel 19. So I go to every home game. So, so I, and then, and then I do, uh, so this year I'll be doing even the games, even though I don't have to go, I can do those on Zoom. So I watch every single game and mm. I'm, and I'm, and I'm like a real fan and I'm superstitious as if I were playing and everything. And I have to wear the same thing when the games come on, if they won the week before and, and, and hold my jersey over my shoulder in the playoffs and things like that. So it's, 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 it's crazy. So I can't even imagine it. I wouldn't do it if I was sitting in the stands. But when I'm at home, in the comfort of my own home, I can do whatever I want. I'm all in.
1: That's fantastic, man. Listen, we oh, wish no, you were still playing. We we yeah. wish you were still playing. That's for that's for dang sure. Uh what's so uh, what's uh as we kind of get out of here, Eric, what's new in your life? What's going on? Anything? Your son's at Arizona State, right? Did I read that right? 6'4? Where did that come from?
3: I'm a breeder. <laughs> yes, <man>. <laughs> 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 so, so my my wife's father was tall and everything. Okay. And then my brother's 6'3 is as well, and so you know. I'm um, looking forward to seeing – he's coming off of ACL, so he should be cleared to start full contact in the next couple of weeks. So he should be ready for the season. But we're looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, in, in his path as well.
1: We are, we are more than gracious to steal about an hour of your time tonight, man. This is something I'll never forget. I'm sure Steve will never forget it, uh, getting a chance to talk to somebody that we – admire so much and still do admire eric we we really 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 appreciate everything and i know our listeners and watchers do as well man
3: i appreciate you guys as well
1: all right that's a wrap for today huge shout out to eric metcalf for joining us on twitch and you guys who continue to support us on twitch very easy to sign up very easy to get going check us out join our obr discord or we also have daily conversations going on a ton of fun Um, Yeah, just constant stuff going on from the OBR. So keep your eye out for that. So continue to spread the word about this podcast. Appreciate your support. We'll be back tomorrow with more training camp coverage. A great guest. We'll cover everything we possibly know about the 12th session of Browns training camp leading up to what will be my show on Thursday. Chalk Talk, where we will have a guest talking Jaguars. Pumped about it. Anyway, have a great day, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed. Shout out to you for listening to this podcast. Appreciate you very much. Have a great day again. And go Browns.